Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. This was an episode that I did for 21ism. If you've not gone over to check out that project, I strongly urge that you do. 21ism.com or at 21ism on Twitter. It's 21ism.com, the website, and all spelled out on Twitter. Go check out what they are doing. They are doing every month a writer, a coder, a hardware developer, an artist, a musician, a content creator. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. They've already done 10 blocks, so they do one block each month. And this block, I had the pleasure of sitting down with my good friend, Yai Bennett, at PubLord on Twitter, as the featured memer for this block. So if you've already listened to the 21SM episode, this is a repeat. This is the same interview. If you've not checked out 21SM yet, then uh, listen here and then go over and check out the project. It's brilliant, like I said. Thank you, Guy, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Guy is from the Toxic Happy Hour, which he co-hosts with Anders on YouTube. You may have already seen him around Twitter or on Twitter spaces and hanging out where he's doing a lot of great work now, bringing a conversation of Bitcoin to many, many plebs. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to shill the show sponsors, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten, where you can go start stacking some sats, download their app, get a free 10,000 sats and start your auto buy journey across Europe. Relay, R-E-L-E-I dot C-H forward slash bitten. Same deal. Start stacking. And in the US, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Get a free $10 and start your stacking journey. Now, please take control of your coins. If you haven't, use a hardware wallet. You shift crypto.ch forward slash bitten and get a 5% discount on anything in your cart because they also sell some very cool stuff other than the wallet. Enjoy this app with Pubby. A quick caveat here, guys. The first 15 to 20 minutes, my audio is pretty bad. It's pretty loud. I've tried to clean it up as much as possible. But after that, my mic actually kicks in. So if you want to skip the first 20 minutes because my audio is too annoying, please do. If not, stick with it. It'll come good. Yeah. Uh, all right. We are, we are recording. And with me today is Guy Bennett from the Toxic Happy Hour and Twitter Spaces, it, it turns out. Uh, Guy, great to have you on the show, brother. Oh, thanks, man. You know, we, like we were just quickly talking about there, it's been, it's been too long. Um, you've been, uh, you know, a guest on our show. Uh, you've had us on your show. So this is just, that's just a fantastic way just to uh, meet up again and have a good conversation. 100%. And this one is going out for 21ism as well. You are the, the featured memer for the, uh, the next block that is being dropped in the, uh, the month of September. So that's the reason that we are hooking up again. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this. And we 
were just discussing what we've brought to the party. I, I have a, uh, a German pills uh, by my side here. That's good for you. Um, what I have here, uh, most people don't know, I'm in Moldova at the moment. Uh, the capital is uh, Chisinau. Um, right outside of here are some of the biggest wineries in the world, okay? And one is called uh, Krikova. And um, I did a tour and it's unbelievable. I think it's over a hundred kilometers of tunnels they dug in 1952 to 1954. And um, it's amazing when you go down in those tunnels, they show you all this wine storage, the whole process. Um, apparently Vladimir Putin had a, a birthday party there in 2002 that they're quite proud of. So all these world leaders, you can go and you see their personal wine stores they have over here. It's absolutely amazing to see. So yes, I have a, a local um, red wine that uh, I'll be enjoying as we talk. In, in your little plastic or paper cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, you know, some of the places we, I get to stay are, are, you know, four and five stars. Um, some of the guys I travel with, they, they value their points like Marriott or Hilton. So they will downgrade the status of the hotel just to get their points. Right. And that's where I am today. Are you one of those guys? I'm not actually. I, I love the old, uh, I love the old style um, hotels, the ones that with unique architecture, um, you know, proper uh, history. Uh, yeah, like this stuff to me. Now, you know, you know what this reminds me of. This is. Um, was it Sefadine when he talked about like fiat architecture and fiat art? I'm, I'm the same way, man. Like a merit or hill, time after time, it's the same thing wherever you go. I love something that is unique, beautiful, old. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And we were just um, on the west coast of France at a conference in Biarritz and uh, Caitlin's sitting next to me. She's sitting in for Lauren, who's, who's out on a play date today. But uh, the right on the beachfront of Biarritz, you have all of these beautiful old stone buildings, like, you know, they're so majestic. And then bam, like the worst looking, shittiest building, Sofitel Hotel you've ever seen. It's like, oh, look at that. Fiat standard right next to what was clearly built hundreds of years ago and still standing and still looking majestic right on, right on the beachfront. It's amazing how... Um architecture and art and Bitcoin are so uh, intrinsically intertwined in a sense. Um, some of the books that really brought me to Bitcoin are things like, uh, there's one, um, I think it was Howard Kunstler did the um, geography of nowhere. And by the geography of nowhere, what he was mentioning was how <clears throat> everything in every city and uh, state, especially in, in the US in particular, looks the same. Every time you drive now across the interstate, when you get off the road, guess what? There's a, there's a Walmart, there's a Target, there's a McDonald's. All the architecture looks the same to the point of you build, you build something and what used to be everyone knew it was the local uh, store, they actually have to put the title country store on it. They put the name country store on because there's no, there's no architecture anymore. It, it is just a cheap, uh imitation of what used to be beautiful yeah and these 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 houses they get thrown up and they they're, they're going to fall down the day the mortgage expires right it's uh, it it's really bad but before we carry on 
Caitlin's sure, probably sure. going to get pretty bored. She was supposed to ask the first <laughs> question, as is tradition. One of my kids generally asks the first question. For those tuning in via 21ism and, and haven't heard the Once Bitten show before, that is the shtick. Uh, so, Caitlin, over to you. What is your question for uh, Guy? Um, so, I was going to ask, why do you like making funny memes? Whoa, 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 whoa. That, that's a bit presumptive. <laughs> I loaded you with the question, why do you make memes? Oh, okay. So, like, you, you know, like, why do you like making memes? Right, yeah. I mean, let, let's, uh, what, what do you think of that guy? So, yeah, um, funny, I guess, is you can ask if people find it funny. That's in the... Uh, it's, it's subjective. <laughs> the funny is, is subjective. Quite, quite subjective. <laughs> um, what, what I found um, interesting uh, growing up was uh, there are people that could just they could just write and write and write we'll say I could read a book where they write for a thousand pages and say nothing okay so when you see that um, the opposite is a meme so basically you know they'll, they'll say a novelist is a failed poet who's also a failed novella what that means is the more words it takes for you to express an idea or opinion you may not be too good at it. And what I always thought was brilliant about memes was it, memes are the, it's, it, it's the poetry, it's the poems of this age. And when you, within one image or just a few words can convey a powerful idea, um, that is worth a lot. Um, especially when you have uh, sound bites, for example, um, in the US we had, uh, this is, you know, you know about Abraham Lincoln, I believe, but he and uh, was it uh, Douglas had, used to have debates and politicians in the 1800s, you would have debates. And guess what? The attention span and education of the audience was absolutely amazing. And they would sit there for hours to listen to them debate and they would speak eloquently and, and deeply. As we move forward and turn into a television generation, guess what we turned into? Soundbite, the sound clips, even from the 1950s, they would put on five minute, 10 minute sound clips. Today, you're lucky to get five seconds. So memes are the best way to now convey, if you're gonna compete in a world of ideas, memes are the only way you can do it today. And you see that? That in, is very true. In your generation, uh -huh. right? Look at like the, the meme factory of TikTok, for example. Yeah, and also, for example, your podcasts. They go, for me, I can't listen to them because they're so long. <laughs> they're so long. But if I was to, I don't know, see a meme of your podcast, then that would be better. Go make one. Mm -hmm. Well, how can you meme a podcast? Yeah, I know, true. <laughs> well, no, actually, that, that is happening. It's uh, people are clipping the podcasts. Uh, you, in the past, you, you would use Headliner app or uh, SoundCloud, but there's a new app come out called um, Fountain App which is lightning enabled. So you can uh, stream sats to the content creator. It's all part of podcasting 2.0, value for value. And now you can clip and transcribe very, very quickly and just put that straight onto Twitter. And it, Twitter only allows, I think, just under two minutes. So under two minutes of audio, you can have a minute to a minute and a half. And they're only going to get better and better. These clips will evolve. You'll be able to put your own little edited video to the background of it soon. Uh, and this is moving so quickly. And, and there's what I would call 
you, you talk about um, these podcasts, and a few years ago, hardly it, nothing existed. As it, it, it became so easy that it, that even I can do it now. And what I was going to say is, now you have a meme almost within a podcast, a, a short snippet. You got to have that hook. And um, you know what one one of the popular podcasts um, in Bitcoin is Peter McCormick's. And what's interesting is when you listen, you start to listen to his podcast, the first thing he does is he has a clip from within the podcast to begin it. He finds a soundbite, that hook to get you. It's almost like a meme within a podcast, okay, to get you to keep going. Cool. I need to up my game, you see. Yeah. That's why Pete has like 20,000 downloads <laughs> per episode and yeah. I have like 1,500. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do you have any more questions about memes or anything you want to fly past Guy whilst he's here with us? No, not really. No, no, uh, like Bitcoin insights, philosophical thoughts. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, no. Okay. All right. No, I haven't got anything. Well, you just met a bunch of Bitcoiners this yeah, weekend. Yeah, exactly. So I'm Bitcoined out. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> We were in Biarritz for the, uh, as I said earlier, we were in Biarritz for the, the Bitcoin, Surfing Bitcoin Conference that was put together by Stack and Sat yeah. in, um, in France, which is the equivalent, I guess, to SWAN. You know, it's a DCA service uh, for, for French people. And they put together the conference and it was great. And I mean, you enjoyed hanging out with those guys, Yeah, right? no, it was very fun. I mean, we, we went to a barbecue. We met a bunch of uh, French maxis uh that they all spoke perfectly good english because yeah. uh well caitlin can speak perfectly good french but it's, you know yeah. i struggle with franglais yeah. um so it was uh no it was great and i you know i tweeted out this morning man like bitcoin conference fomo is a massive thing but then bitcoin conference calm down is also a thing so it's just it's tough like uh to not be around those, those people uh and it's so it's so great to, to have that exposure, but it all comes too fast, too quick, and then it's gone. It, this is very true. Uh, I know, obviously, with uh, COVID and travel uh, restrictions last year, you weren't able to make it to Miami, but do uh, you think maybe next year you're going to be able to make it? Fingers crossed, mate. It's right over my wife's birthday as well. So to go out and spend a couple of weeks in, in Miami would be absolutely perfect yeah, yeah. And, and get the conference in and get the family exposed to more and more people because I think more and more people are going to start taking their kids uh, along to these things. Uh, I hope so. Uh, I want to bring all my family to as many of these conferences as possible because we've got to build these communities and uh, share ideas and, um, you know, push this thing forward as, as quick as we can. Do, should I release you? Or are you happy sitting around? Do you want to say goodbye? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, it was nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you as well. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, two in a row. <laughs> two in a row. I've, I survived. I've sur I need a t-shirt. I survived Lauren and I survived Caitlin. You've survived Lauren multiple times uh, because she's been on uh, THH with me and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, hanging out with you and Anders. Uh, I bet she's going to forget to bring back a fresh beer but uh i'll have to i'll have to text her halfway through if you see me yeah. if you see me texting i'm just texting for a refill don't worry I'm, I'm not it's not like i'm not paying attention uh, and um yeah you've been on the one spit and show you know outright as well uh, that that was a great yep. rip um but uh we should concentrate we should get back to the the 
the subject at hand. You are the, the meme artist, the featured meme artist for 21ism uh, this month. Meaning, I, I remember when you burst onto the scene. It's, it's funny. Uh, I, I don't know how or why I was, uh, we kind of like interjected. Maybe you'd listened to the show before and you were following me and like uh, putting some stuff underneath. I, I don't exactly remember how we connected, you know, that there's so many connections firing all the time, but I do remember the memes you started putting out. And I thought you were British, like everybody else, because, you, you know, pub lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a picture of you drinking, uh, drinking a pint. Nice way to, uh, you know, kind of pseudonymous little picture there, hiding behind a pint. But um, you, 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 how long were you lurking before you you started bringing the meme fire. So, you know, the, the story, it quite old for some people, of course, but I'd love to tell it. Um, and I tell it for the next generation of Bitcoiners. Um, you know, I, I came in at the, at the high in 2017. It was in December, man. And um, that first purchase, it, it took four years from my first purchase to actually go green again, because I think it was... <laughs> It was like 17,600, man. I bought like point, point zero zero whatever amount of Bitcoin. Um, well, I found it fascinating. I had heard about this thing. And um, at first, like they said, there, there's always a two or three tries before you understand it. And I always understood it as the uh, as internet gaming money. I just thought it was like a fake money that gamers use, man. I was out of touch. Um, I had a friend who... Um, confided in me she was so angry because her boyfriend had not let her buy when she wanted and this is like 2011 okay Whoa. and yeah so her her one of her best friends who was married they did buy then so obviously there's quite a discrepancy in um net worth at the moment <laughs> between them um no but i felt like well what the hell is this bitcoin uh so the, fir the first few months was just trying to understand what this stuff was, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum. Uh, so I, I didn't know. I think it was like, yeah, mid-2018, um, I found out about Bitcoin Twitter. And that's when I, I come across, you know, people like Hodl Not was on there, you know, um, American Hodl and uh, these guys. But yeah, I was lurking then. So I'm lurking through, you know, just trying to understand what the hell I'm getting into. Uh, but the more, you know, you get on that rabbit hole, the more you learn and then the more uh, convicted you become, the more you understand, the more you believe, uh, the more you want to do. And um, after, let's say, just um, a couple of years and, and the meme at the time, there weren't a lot of memes or meme generators out there. That's been just a more recent technology. Um, I think it was, uh, let's see, 20. Yeah, 20. Early 2020, pandemic hits. And um, at the time I had met, uh, as you know, Anders from Toxic Happy Hour. And we were and we were talking online, or not on, but just talking every day, like one or two hours a day, man, just talking in the afternoon. I ha had no Bitcoin friends to speak of, really. Um, but by that summer, you know, the, the, the meme stuff started coming out. And I don't know, it just struck a chord with me. You know, like you say, everyone has has something that they want to contribute. Everyone has a, um, you know, everyone has a part to play. And you, you know, I always think back to um, what was the movie with, uh, oh yeah, uh, Dead Poet Society. 
and you may contribute a verse. You right. may contribute a verse. And some do it through podcasts. Some do it through articles. Some do it through books. Uh, to me, I always love the meme because one, you can be sarcastic. You can be funny. Um, you can make things sort of irrelevant, satire. Uh, what, it, it was entirely up to you. Um, and it, yeah, I, I just thought it was just a, just a cool uh, tool to get the message of Bitcoin out and to uh, talk about certain truths, um, not only to the Bitcoin community, but to the community at large about what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with the money, how do we fix this? And I thought memes are just a, just a great a attack vector. Do you remember the first meme that lit you up? That uh, like just kind of got you got you laughing out loud and got you thinking about how can I contribute now? Well, the ones that really started, I think, for me was you know, printer goes burr. That one to me, just once you hit that button, because honestly, I I don't know how many people truly understand that we are not backed by gold anymore. I bet if you ask half the Americans out there, a good 30, 40% would think we're, we're on a gold standard. They have no idea of what the printing is doing, not only to the, the money, but to their own lives. They don't understand what this printing has done. Everything that they're angry about in the world, but don't know why, it's because of printer goes burr, man. This goes back 50 years, 50 years. The year I was born, man, the year I was born, WTF happened standard. in 1971. So, guy Bennett pops love up. Love those guys, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, shout to 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 uh, to to uh, Colin and Ben, man. Yeah. You know, heavily armed crown and Ben Prentice because they absolutely nailed it. Um, and you had so you you had a you know what you had a, a double problem then, and it wasn't just that we're taken off the gold standard, and and this is not a thing against feminism. What this is, is what the rice is. What you did is you're taken off a gold standard. And as more women enter the work, you double the amount of workers going into a workplace as you're taken off a gold standard. I mean, you want to talk about a recipe for disaster as far as this, you know, they call it the two income trap, as you well know. Uh, yeah, that was it back then. But no one knows it because we're born into it. This is normal. You know what's normal? I don't know, three, four percent inflation every year, prices going up every year. That's normal. That is that is what is fiscally responsible or fiscally what you, you you've known since you were a kid. Prices just get higher. Oh, you get a raise. And and you don't realize how one is outpacing the other. That's that's the insidious part of it all. And uh, that's why when Sailor came in and, and finally realized, you know, he talks about being on that melting ice cube. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that realized, you know, screw that 2%, 3% are telling me it's, it's closer to 20% or 15%. Mm -hmm. And so anyone out there that thinks they're doing well in life and you're getting this, you know, oh, I just got a 4% raise this year. <laughs> you're still getting screwed, man. That's, that's the worst part of it all. It's yeah. And, you know, Jeff Booth did a great job as well with his book and the way he frames it. It's like, you know, if that if inflation was framed, you know, I'm going to butcher his quote. Sorry, Jeff. But along the lines of we have a mandate to steal anywhere between two to five percent of your wealth each year, you'd think differently about inflation. 
But of course we don't. We get all of the Keynesian kind of flabber-jabber that comes along with all of their nonsensical thoughts and inflation is good for the economy and we've got to drive consumption and all of this nonsense. Uh, it's, it's funny, I remember when I was 19, no, 18, 18, I was working behind a bar in our local pub and I remember the price of a pint of beer is a pint of Foster's went from one pound 70. And then I come in the next day and we were told tills have been updated. The, the Foster's is now like one pound 80 or one pound 82 or something. And you're like, all right, people are not going to be angry about that. Like there's nothing you can do. That's the price of it now. Like, all right, on with life we go. And then I entered into like an 18 year career of uh, fiat foreign exchange brokerage and had no idea at all the word fiat even existed. I had no idea at all truly how the, the you know, the internal plumbings of the network and, and everything else worked and fractional reserve banking and all of this kind of nonsense. And it's you, you, you leave that career and then you face Bitcoin and Bitcoin exposes you and exposes everything that you built an identity on. And it's a crippler. And I think that's what scares a lot of people away from Bitcoin. Rather than saying, fuck, my whole life has been built on fraudulent bullshit. And that's what I've tied my identity to. You hide behind, ah, it's too, it's too, it's too kind of uh, technical for me. I'm not a techie or oh, I don't know too much about uh, stock markets and things like that. So, and then they walk away from it because it's too harsh to face that your whole identity has been predicated on a bed of lies. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. And, you know, I've had to deal with that um, myself. You know, I come from a family with a, a proud um, military history in the U.S. Um, from World War One, World War Two, Korea, um, you know, Vietnam. So when you finally realize um, a lot of that was only put in place because of the Federal Reserve and printing of money. And you see these and you have at one relative we brought home from Burma. Uh, we had to do DNA testing, but I had great uncles that were split between uh, different parts of the world. One had gone missing in the Pacific theater and uh, was brought home uh, that went over and fought and died Okay, for what we now know was probably some central banker, not not the lies and the the patriotism that you're told growing up. It wasn't it wasn't anything that was germane to our family, but you did it because you loved your country. This is just how you were you were raised. So yes, um, you're absolutely right there. And it's funny you mentioned this because I just I hadn't heard it in a while, man. So I'm going back. I was listening to um, Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan's podcast again. And I don't know if you ever heard that one, it's about two years old or two and a half, but it's absolutely fascinating because they bring it up. They're, they're talking about the personal responsibility of people, why, why don't you face these facts? So when we're talking about why don't, um, why don't we own up that the money is broken or what I'm doing is wrong, it's hard because it's easier to lash out at the system than it is for you to take responsibility 
take responsibility for your actions and try to change your life. It's easier to lash out and, and tear things down than it is to admit when you were wrong, your life was wrong, and then try to fix it and build from there. It's a difficult thing. It's very difficult, mate. And this is, this is what it's so weird. And it sounds a little bit woo woo, but this is what Bitcoin does to you. It shines that light on that part of your soul and you got to face it. it you're absolutely right. And, and so, you know, they, the, the joke is, you know, within our, we have a little small group there, you know, puppy plows the fields. And because <laughs> that came out, because I, I put a post of your, your mind has to be plowed. You have to be fertile. You have to be willing to accept this seed. Okay. And, and there's, Look, it's a biblical analogy as well that you have, you know, if it's if your mind is hard and calloused, okay, I don't care what kind of seed you put down there, it gets washed away. And for me, th those seeds were planted over over 40 years of learning, okay, 40 years of reading everything you can, um, trying to understand what is wrong with the system, knowing that what is wrong with the system has been obfuscated from you, okay? They have literally outright lied about inflation you think is normal. And you, tr because you trusted, you trusted the government, you trusted them, you know? And so all those years of reading and you get into um, Ayn Rand, you know, mm. when you get into some of these libertarian thoughts, you, you finally, when Bitcoin pops up, you see it for what it is. When you finally, see, you, you just get it. And once you get it, you can't unget it, as I say. You, you just can't go, you can't turn away because you found it. Everything that you had, most books are, I always say about 80% problem and then 20% crappy uh, solution. Once you find Bitcoin after, you finally realize we find, we've got the solution, man. We've got the solution here. It's a hundred percent solution. Bitcoin fixes this. Um, and it's, it's funny. I want to take you back to the, uh, thing that you mentioned about the military, uh, and your upbringing. I had never yeah. seen, I can't remember how I saw it. And I had to go and dig the clip out on YouTube again, just to rewatch it. A short clip, three to four minute clip of the the way that they were drafting young men into Vietnam, into the Vietnam War in, in what are we talking, late 60s, early 70s, where they were pulling. Yes, roughly from 68, I would right. say 67, 68, they started drafting. Yeah, the way they were doing that, pulling numbers out of a hat. So you like the, the, the video depicts these guys, God knows who they were, suits, the elite, unelected bureaucrats pulling numbers out of a hat and that was the birth date if i if i'm not mistaken and if your birthday right, fell on my... that date and you were aged between a certain age that was your calling yeah. you're off to the jungle to go and fight a war that is being predicated yeah. on it, it was so god knows what god knows what god knows what we still don't know what that war was probably fought on because we've never been told the truth to me, it was always a quasi war to say, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to miss in the word I want to use here, a, um, a you know, war between US, Russia using other forces. 
is a I can't believe I'm using, losing this word right now. Um, but basically, yeah, it, it's what it never should have happened, never needed to happen. And man, how you know, I think we had 53,000 uh US soldiers that 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 or sorry, 58,000 58, that that died in Vietnam. How many of those were drafted? Um, do you know? Oh, I, I that part I don't know. Shocking, isn't it, um, to think like your you know, your, your a, life depended on yeah. the 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 hand of some guy pulling out a you know a number out of a hat. Yeah, well, imagine. Well, that's why. Look, you had us, and and it isn't interesting what they would call him. Um, if you didn't like that, you were a draft dodger. Yeah, you were a dodger. Right, you were you were dodging your duty. Cancelled. Um, there are many went there. Cause, yeah, but. So here's a tough one because that's a generation. That was a generation that was born from what we call in the U.S. the greatest generation. Mm -hmm. The you know that came back from World War II. They were they were from the baby boom. Mm -hmm. That generation. And so that's interesting. So there was there were many that were there willingly because they saw their father had been a hero. You know, their father had gone and and fought against Hitler. You know, had fought against Japan. And so, yeah, there were many that were still there and and believed this um, ideology of the U.S. is always right. Okay, you you're raising that that the U.S. is always right. The U.S. will save the world. And when you're raising that, and it's hard. It's easy if you, if you don't live in in America, man. It's easy to look over and see how sort of ludicrous that sounds. But when you when you're raising that. It's like anywhere else, man. Propaganda is propaganda. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're you're in the Soviet Union or if you're in America. You know, you're you're, you're told certain certain facts. Um, look, you believe them. You trust. You know, you trust when you grow up. Grandparents, your parents, your uncles. Okay, so your teachers. Um, I don't your national curriculum. Teachers. Don't get don't get Absolutely, me going, puppy. You you know that's you know. know that's my my drum to beat. <laughs> But uh, I, know, I know. Yeah, I mean, you guys uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you grew up like uh, pledging allegiance to the flag each morning uh, and perhaps maybe still do. Yeah, yeah of course. It's, and, you know, to me, it, is that a meme it, in it itself? A, Let's ask ourselves this question. Oh, it is. It is, man. Uh, look, to to make memes, <clears throat> one, um, I love I love all the memers in this community. And even if Bitcoin went to zero. I could care less. In a way, because I have met so many people that have enriched my life and made me a better human being just through the meme community. Because guess what? You got to be brilliant to make good memes. Okay. There's no dumbasses that are out there making good memes. Okay. So when, when you can get in those camps, you know, those guys that are making those memes, they're smart people, man. They are smart people, which I love, you know. And, you know, as we say, you know, was it iron sharpens iron and steel sharpens steel? When you see ideas like that, you get inspired. You have to up your game, and so it it only it only makes you better, man. And that's what I always loved about this: is what are the ideas in the world that need to change? One for me, as I told you, was the money is broken, the system is broken. Okay, those are the once you come up with the ideas that need to be changed. Okay, how do I change them? How and, and look, the memes, of course, we make a lot for the there's a lot of inside innuendo in the Bitcoin community. 
Okay, there, there's memes you can make. Um, hey, fuck you, Greg. That's one for you, Greg Zaj. <laughs> but uh, no, but there's memes within the community we laugh at. That'll be the little but sound the clip. That we That'll think... be the little sound clip at the beginning of the. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, fuck you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Greg. But it tur- But that. But that's an. That's what I call an internal meme. Everyone within the community understands mm-hmm. that. Uh, I'm. I'm looking more into the memes that filter out. Let's start within Bitcoin, and we need to get out into the normie world. Those are the memes. Once they realize, hey, what do you mean? What does printer go burr? What does that mean? Uh, wait, we're not. It, you got to get people to start turning that engine above their shoulder. They got to start thinking a little bit. And that's why that's the, the, the next outlier of memes for me is getting them back out into mainstream. It's difficult. It's really, really difficult. I mean, yes. I tell you which ones. I mean, if you could, if you could push some personal responsibility memes out to the to the main street, you know, please go for it because we. I think personal responsibility right now is scarcer than Bitcoin. Yes, yes, and 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 it's not it's not for no reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, the government doesn't want anyone to be personally responsible for themselves. They need you dependent upon them. They don't want anyone that would rather um, suffer and go without a meal and build their own life than not depend upon them. So you're absolutely right. Personal responsibility is the first thing that the government will always take away from you. It's not your fault. You're a victim. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Many times it isn't your fault, but guess what? It's up to you to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Don't, re- don't rely on government um forcing others to make up for it's not your fault the government should not be there to tell other people what to do because of the tragic circumstances of your life whatever they may be yeah and then they turn that narrative on its head pretty quickly whenever they want right it is your fault there's plastic in the oceans there you know it is your fault there you know you um this disease is being spread because you're not following our rules and, and all of this kind of nonsense that we've had to face this, this last couple of years, mass confusion. Yeah. And, and look at the age at which they do. Um, you know, I've been to Cambodia a few times and I'm sure anyone listeners may not know much about Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. Um, but guess how, guess how you do it. Guess how you, how, guess how you get people to turn on each other. Uh, one, you get rid of the intelligentsia. Two, you turn you turn generations against each other. You know, once they get into the mind of the child, sorry not to set you off on this, I, I know, man. Once they get into the mind of the child, it, it, it's hard enough where parents are uncool, parents don't know squat. I get that, you know. But when you turn that up a level or two, it's easy. It's easy. Then, you know, when kids are turning in parents, You've got a generation that are mindless um, followers, man. It's happening again, man. I see it happening again. I'm sure you do as well. It's so scary. And I've been saying for a little while that these, you know, generational wars that are being pushed on us, I've seen it in the UK, like four years of Brexit, blame the boomers, blame the boomers. It was the gray vote and blame the boomers for climate change because they're the ones that have been you know burning so much fossil fuels and you know being 
so wasteful with their consumption and, and blame the boomers for the price of property because they've got one, two or three properties and they're just holding on to them and it's just so bad. And then on the other side of things, it's millennials are entitled, millennials are lazy, millennials, they think they can just sit around and money's going to fall into their laps. I've been exposed as you have, you know, your Gen X, we, we sit between these, these two particular uh, generations. My God, it, it, it's so easy to see the narratives that are being spun and so damn dangerous. I've seen it within families where, you know, you've got the grandkids lecturing the grandparents over, you know, it's their fault that the, the world's going to be burning and there's not going to be any food for them to eat when they're 32. Like, it's, it's such nonsense. Yeah. But they're doing yeah, that, it and that's one of the purposefully. Other, yeah. No, yeah. And, and that's one thing that it, it falls into, yeah, and with like the Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan thing, just to get back mm -hmm. to, it falls into that tribalism. People don't want their own personal responsibility, but they'll find a tribe that they can belong to. And all of a sudden, you're, you're virtuous. All of a sudden, you're virtuous and you're on the right side of everything. And as you say, man, this is just history repeating itself. And it does. It absolutely goes back to these, these fundamental core areas. Um, language, for example. And this was one of, the, one of the big things was not that you have freedom of speech, but now you're being compelled to speak with using certain words. Mm -hmm. Okay, this wasn't, this wasn't that you were compelled not to comply. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. Um, you know, you're, you, there are certain things that are, are quite obvious, like racism, okay? Mm -hmm. um, it's one thing to tell someone, don't be racist and, and don't, don't beat somebody up because of their color. Then it turned into, well, don't even talk about this. Then it turns into, don't even think about this. Mm -hmm. Then it turns into, this is what you should think. This is what you should say. This is what you should do. The pendulum swings from one side way to the other, man. And that's where it's dangerous. When you have an entire um, generation that is now in your face telling you what to say, what to think, and what to do. I test my kids That's on this. I test my kids on this all the time. You know, we we might be out in a square and having a cafe, uh, having a coffee at a cafe or, or something. Or, um, you know, Lauren loves to come down there and and she likes to go across and, and buy the croissant or the uh, pain au chocolat, whatever it is. And she might point someone out in the square and say, "Oh, right, yeah, you see that person over there?" Blah blah blah. And I'm like, "No, which one?" And and she'll. She has a specific way of, I'm like, okay, is it anywhere near that, that black fat lady over there? And all the kids are being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you can't say that. I'm like, yeah. I'm seeing yeah. a black fat lady over there. I'm telling you exactly yeah. what I see. I am describing exactly what I see. That is not racist. That is just objectional. So, but, it, and it's like, they, yeah. they get so triggered by it. Yeah. But they don't know why they're getting triggered by it. It's just seeped into them somehow. And it's like, man, we've got a lot of shit to undo. 
because a 10 year old should never have to think about what comes out of their mouth. Yeah, that's, um, that's absolutely spot on. And it, what it shows is the power, the power of the media, the power of how saturated they can, they can make this world when it comes to this messaging. It's through advertisement, it's through movies, television series, articles online. That same message is just, as they call the, uh, you know, the Chinese water torture, the drop mm -hmm. of water on your forehead. That is exactly what it is. You just don't realize it. That we're all. It, we just don't realize we're 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 in a we're in a sea of this um, of this propaganda. And yeah, there, there's not many ways out ex except for uh, self education, except for choosing what you consume. As far as content, you have to make some hard choices out there. But you're you're absolutely spot on, man. It's um, it's very worrying because they just keep coming at them, the kids, especially. And with mask mandates now in the schools, that is so premeditated to compliance, to forming a complete bunch of compliant robots. That's the reason they want to mask the kids. So they're sat in a class together now, they're all looking the same, they can't interrupt the teacher, they can't discuss big ideas, and now they can't even see each other's faces. It's sick. Well, the two things there. Um, one, yes, absolutely uh, sick. And they're going to do this because the, what you're going to learn is the first time, and I have, a, I have a daughter, as you know, Lauren's age. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing we go about with, with, her, with her school. Um, how do you feel about masks? Because, of course, I'm against vaccinations like that. I'm against the masking. And she's as well, she's against, she's, but it's hard because a lot of my friends have masks and man, they will, they will turn up that peer pressure. Mm -hmm. So I don't care. I don't care if you are a, a, a grizzled, hardened war veteran. Okay. If you're put in that position as a, even as a, as a, a 12 year old, 11 year old, you will fall in line pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. People can talk a mean game, but when you go into that school and everyone's looking at you and judging you and people, people that are listening, they remember those days. They remember what it was like to be that age, man. That wasn't easy. So you will fall in line quickly. And that's the worst part of that. They're getting these kids to fall in line so quickly. That's what pisses me off. Um, all, of those, all of those choices should be left to the parent, left to the child and not a school district, especially, especially when you look at the, the CDC rates, when you look at what the actual um, mortality rate is at that age group, you gotta be kidding me. You are destroying more lives. You are destroying more lives by uh, social uh, non-interaction than you are by, by the disease itself. It's scary stuff, man. It's so bad. We had uh, a case of Corona come through our uh, family two weeks back. The kids, they were down for like, I want to say a day and a half. Daddy, I got a headache. Uh, Daddy, my legs ache. You know, go, okay, go have some, um, 
what's called Dolipran here. It's like probably Nurofen or Ibuprofen or something in um, different parts of the world yeah. and go and have a lay down. They were back the day, the, the next day. Like, and then, then you done over. It's done. They, they didn't miss hardly any yeah. of their clubs that they were still doing on, on Galileo and, um, you know, tuning into their, uh, their, their daily, daily clubs and lessons, whatever it was, you know, math or, you know, writing or, you know, didn't bother them that, that, that actually took their mind off it. And then you're just like, God yeah. damn, this whole last two years, what they've been feeding people and the level of psychosis that they've managed to get people to is, is unbelievable. And it's all been memes as well. And it, it's been a lie. And this goes into, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, about responsibility. Mm -hmm. So you have a, you have a generation of people. I mean, in a way it's, um, God, it's, uh, God, so insidious. It's imagine you have conditioned people to for 50 years to lose money every year. Mm -hmm. That's basically what you've been conditioned to do. Okay. You condition people to lose money every year and think it's normal. You think it's normal. You think it's normal. And then guess what happens? Um, you need someone to blame. So you just, <laughs> you come up and it, it's never anyone's fault, is it? It's never anyone's fault. And the most convenient thing people can do by human nature is to, to find someone else to blame. And this reminds me, you know, I, I spent time in uh, Rwanda and just, just a quick history lesson there. Um, you had two, you had two uh, tribes predominantly that had made up Rwanda, the Hutu and the Tutsi. What was fascinating was they had lived beautifully together for generation. The main difference was the Tutsi um, were the ones that uh, raised animals, had milk, all this. The Hutu were basically farmers, uh, lived more on vegetables. So over the years, the, the, the Tutsi grew stronger taller, a little bit bigger because of all the protein. They had meat, they had milk. Um, the Hutu were a little bit shorter. Um, obviously couldn't keep up in, in strength. What's fascinating is when, when the Europeans came in to that area, they noticed that, oh, the Tutsi, they look more like us. Now, mind you, to be in charge of to, to own all of that at the time, to own all of the, you know, um, that was like cattle, um, but to own that, you're well-to-do, but you're only 10% of the population. So the Tutsi was only 10% of the population, but guess what? They got 90% of all the governmental posts when the Europeans came in because they, the Europeans were reminded they look more like us. Mm -hmm. Before they all lived in, in, a, in, a, in a perfect um, economy together. So guess what happens when Europeans leave and you're seeing it, what we can talk about Afghanistan later if you want, but what happens when, when the colonials, <laughs> the, the colonialism leaves, guess what? Oh, we left you this great thing called democracy. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. If you're the Hutu, <laughs> because you, you're 90% of the population. And guess what, man? They vote everyone into office. They use propaganda to, um, 
tell everybody every problem you had in life was because of the Tutsi. <laughs> not, not the not the neocolonials that came in here, by the way. The Tutsi, they're the real problem here. And this is where the whole thing with Rwanda started. Not a lot of people do enough research there, but um, 6 million is the population of Rwanda. 1 million were killed in 100 days, man. Oh, my God. 1 million. 1 million, man. And this wasn't, listen, man, this wasn't like the clinical, um, like a German gas chamber. Like, not that there's good ways to die. No, this, this was they would shut off the roads. They had one main road. They would shut off the roads up to the main highway and send their death squads down. And you were either with them or against them. So there were families that died together. Families that just um, simply chose, no, I'm not going to turn on my neighbor. Because as I would say, you either, you either stand with them and die or you come with us. And there were many that, that died. Uh, the, the, um, the, the driver we had, he was one of 12 children that survived. He lost 11 siblings during the massacre. Only one. Yeah, it's humbling when you travel and you hear these stories. But they're life lessons, man. They're life lessons that to bring it back full circle. This is what you're seeing in the world now. The same type of mentality, but it's it's worldwide. It's so. I mean, and let's let's touch on Afghanistan and and what's going on there, and and then we'll we'll get on to um, yeah. you know your your the work that you do and um, everything that um, that you've seen and uh, yeah. But what what. What's your take on, on the, the, the this last few weeks' events? Yeah, um, yeah. Part of the you know part of the nature of what I do, I I, I can't get into too much. I I, I will say this: I <laughs> I've worked at the American Embassy there um, on two separate occasions. But I will tell you this: what has gone on there is it's a, a shame and a stain on American foreign policy um, that I never thought I would see. And when you know you're going to have to withdraw, because this has been going on for years, you're going to withdraw, you do it in an orderly fashion over a long period of time, especially when you have Afghanis that have worked with you for 20 years and you have promised them certain things. Listen, you work with us. We will give you safe passage. Those are the people that should have been evacuated a year ago, okay? Those are the people that you should be taken care of first. If you know you're actually withdrawing. What we just saw witness here, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's, it's sad humiliating um it should never have happened because guess what we were there for a certain purpose and reason and as you know being in the uk how many soldiers did the uk lose how many americans did we lose how many trillions did we lose taxpayer money for what for absolutely nothing we affected no change whatsoever. And if if we knew that, why the hell were we there? Except I retweeted it earlier, someone had it. 
people were getting rich in Washington, man. Mm. People were getting filthy rich. And I don't know, you know, what their background is, what type of military contractor stocks they had. People were getting filthy rich. And the lives that they played with, and that's what, it's abhorrent, absolutely abhorrent. Um, this is, listen, man, look, we, we should have been out years ago, in my opinion. Again, that's my opinion. Um, but that's not neither here nor there. What we're looking at now is what, what was this, what this drawdown was like. This was the most ridiculous drawdown. When you had the Taliban that retook Kabul in a matter of days, you're there 20 years building up this quote unquote puppet army. That's what it turned out to be a puppet army to, to let the capital be overrun. And guess what? They're the ones that are dictating the terms of your surrender. We will let these people out if you give us this. Man, uh, I, I'm at a loss. I am truly at a loss for words. Yeah, it must be especially tough as well watching that play out as as you mentioned earlier, coming from you know a proud military background. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, that thankfully that's um, not I, soldiering, right? That that's that's not what soldiers yeah. sign up to do. That's not what they they want to that they want to you know help and and serve. Um, not just be on the first plane out because somebody said so. Yeah, so listen, the, the proper soldier, um, you take lawful commands. That's everything, man. If I'm taking a lawful command, I, I, I do what I'm told to do, uh, what I signed up for it and what I believe in, and, and that's what I do. Uh, what it, listen, man, it, how easy was World War II? <laughs> Pretty damn easy. You're fighting Hitler, right? How easy is that? This guy just, that's clear cut. You know what you're, you know what you're in for. You know what you're in for. This guy is actually exterminating um, the Jewish race. Mm -hmm. Got it. Guess what? Sign me up. Um, something I can fight for. Man, the wars just get um, <laughs> foggier and foggier from there, right? I'm thinking Robert S. McNamara, the fog of war, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Can you imagine, like, you know, like you say, you just, <laughs> because my number was picked out of a fucking hat, I'm here in Southeast Asia sweating my balls off trying to kill somebody that's in a village right how, how did my how did my life get this fucked up i don't know <laughs> i don't know man um so there, there was a break somewhere between what you can call a righteous war in a way and and what isn't i don't know i don't know where that line was broken well probably 1971 i guess <laughs> if we call those guys yeah. but it seems ever since then look we took down Saddam Hussein, taken down. Gaddafi, taken down. It seems to be anyone that's against the system, the central banking system, gets taken down pretty damn quickly and publicly. What, 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 what are you able to tell us about the work that you do? Oh, I just, you know, listen, I, I help do crisis planning. Um, for American embassies and consulates around the world. Mm. So an event of like a natural disaster, um, it, you know, in this region, there's earthquakes, um, Haiti. Um, if something happens, we have a, we have a plan in place to um, bring out the local staff 
especially, obviously, didn't work in Afghanistan. So, Jesus, who knows? Man, that's yeah. Uh, um, so you, you're spending a lot of time away from family. Then I mean, this has been your whole career. Well, for the last twenty years. Yeah. Oh. Basically, yeah. How how? Wish I could say as a race car driver. Yeah. <laughs> how how often are you on the road? Oh, let's say about four four months a year of each quarter. Um, we'll say out of it, each quarter about. 25, 30 days. Right. And then uh, once, you're, once you're back home in the US, that's, that's just like a life in the office sort of thing? Or how does that work? Once Life in the office, man. Right. Yeah, just life in the office. And, and hey, I'm on a regular schedule with Anders and for our show. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, been, it's been, yeah, it hasn't been great lately because I'm here, like he's in Denmark or the last place, or he's in... Yeah, technology is fantastic. It keeps you connected, but there's times you have to wake up in the middle of the night to do a podcast. <laughs> it's not as fun then. But uh, yeah, ex- yeah, when I'm home, it's all work time. Exactly. All right. So how then has opening your mind to Bitcoin and still having your fiat job, which is closely linked to uh, government and uh, you know helping out U.S. embassies uh, around the world, Man, this this must be a bit of a a mind fuck that you're going through. Yeah, you know what's interesting to me is quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. And here's how I'll explain it. I've taken I'm taking my fiat mining, man. My fiat mining, which I may not necessarily agree with, I'm converting it all to Bitcoin, baby. You see, yes, it pays the bills. Two, I believe in the program that I'm working in. Because I, it, it will help people. It does help people. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, man. At the end of the day, guess what? That fiat coming in, boom, right over to Bitcoin. So you must, that must give you hope that your, your retirement is going to be pulled a lot further forward than you would been thinking about three years back before you kind of found Bitcoin. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I just not contributed to my retirement account. Once I found Bitcoin and understood it, retirement account gets cut off from donations and contributions. Now everything gets piled into Bitcoin. No brainer, no brainer to me. Do you, are you one of these guys that has like a kind of once Bitcoin hits a certain number, I'm able to peel something off and then I'm done. I can go and work on what I want to work on. Uh, perhaps we can go and live where we always wanted to go and live. Uh, how, how do you think about that? Because this is always a topic on people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, man, but Andrew, we're going live tomorrow night about the same time. If you want to jump on with us, man, we'd love to have you. Yeah, let's you. do it. Um, yeah, so check this out and i asked this to anders and trust me you get burned you get burned at the stake if you bring it up mm. i always say at what price do you stop buying bitcoin <laughs> at what price you've already, you've already done the heavy lifting you know you've you've all you've gone down that road you you go from like i say for me from seventeen thousand to three thousand four hundred you're you're stacking your ass off 
look at, at $300,000, what the hell am I even doing anymore? Why am I still buying? There is a price point, man. And you, and you shouldn't, as you know, Bitcoin Twitter will eat you alive forever saying this, but there, look, there's a price when everyone has to take some chips off the table or guess what? You cash out because you're okay. You can retire now. It's okay to cash in Bitcoin. I'm the one, I'll say it, man. It's okay. So when I bought it at $20, I'm going to tell him now, no, don't be selling your shit at, at 50000 you weak, you weak handed asshole. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> there, there, there is that price point, man. Everyone's got their own. I have a, I have a number in mind myself for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, yeah, that's what I listen. I love and hate Bitcoin Twitter at the same time. I love and hate all those assholes on there. Well, this comes back to what, what you were talking about earlier about following a tribe. Right. So, I mean, we got to admit, yeah, yeah, pointers are a tribe. And I haven't thought of but, that. Yeah. But yeah within sure that have. tribe, yeah. God damn, there's a lot of kicking each other in the balls and spitting in each other's mouths and like, you know, slapping each other down. It's not like we're all just this one great big zombie tribe. <laughs> I mean, you know, fix the money, fix the world. We can all get behind that and certain other memes, but God, everything else that comes along with it, it's a pretty. It's- a ramshackle kind of unorganized assholes. <laughs> it's so far. Yeah. Um, it, trying to find it's a the ultimate thing. truth. Yeah. It's no, it's a beautiful thing because the backgrounds, the backgrounds everyone has is quite varied. Oh my God. The backgrounds that come into this place from people that have a background economics are um, different finance. It's stunning to me, which I love. Different I, religions. I didn't know my own background at the right? time. Different religions. True. Different you, different religions, man. I mean, you, you've got God knows how many thousands of religions out there, and all of a sudden they're converging on this one thing. And what's interesting is that they're trying to pin it all back to their own religion and see this. Is, it's, it, it's a real weird dynamic to watch, but at least they are meeting each other, conversing, having these thoughts, shared epiphanies. Um, yeah, it's great. And, and you know, I, I came from foreign exchange. You, you work for, um, you know, like uh, a cr- for crisis planning for a government. Yeah. But here we are having yeah. conversations, discussing big ideas. We would yeah. never, uh, ever have crossed paths otherwise. Never. Absolutely not. I, I'm, I'm totally convinced of this. Uh, now, no, don't, don't get me wrong, because... Um, I'm a big fan. Do you know, have you read John Taylor Gatto? Yes. And he works by him? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, hey, hey, look, no cell phone. I know about John Taylor Gatto. <laughs> so, yeah, that should impress you anyway. Um, but that was part of my educational experience to find Bitcoin. It's reading John Taylor Gatto. It's reading Ayn Rand. It's reading the Stoics. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's reading all of this. That once Bitcoin came to me, it's a low-hanging fruit, man. I just reach up. I just pluck that thing off a tree. Others come late to the game, and they got to climb that tree. They got to climb that tree as hard as they can. To me, it was easy because of the work I did. I didn't realize I was doing work. I just had been spending my life understanding the system was broken reading 
about why this system is broken. So once you understand how and why from different angles, the system is broken, once Bitcoin shows up, it's a no-brainer, man. When do you think was the first no time that you, you kind of realized the system was broken? Like, uh, are, were you, are you talking high school, college, you know, no. entering into like uh, your, your career and seeing, I mean, you must have seen some broken systems around the world, man. Holy shit. You, you've been to like some, some crazy yeah. fucked up countries in, in crazy weird situations as well. So the first um, book that really had an impact on me, I remember, I think I got it as a present when I was 10 years old. And it was uh, Walden by Henry Thoreau. Okay. So what was interesting to me, because Walden was about, you know, simple living, basically. Um, basically, he, I, I went off to the to the woods to to get to the marrow of life and find out what you know is good and true and as a kid i'm thinking man i get i'm in this huge house in america all this um the the cabin he described i believe is let's see 10 was 10 15 feet by or sorry 10 feet by 20 it's only 300 square feet but it, it's not much mm -hmm. Sorry, uh, let's say uh, th for you, three three meters by... We can do feet. We'll say <laughs> nine meters. No, it's okay. No, but my point is... Now this. do yards. <laughs> now do, yeah, yeah, now do yards. <laughs> no, so what was, what was brilliant to me was I never really thought about at that time, what can you live upon? Mm -hmm. What do you really need to live? Yep. Okay, so when I read Walden and learned about simple living and voluntary simplicity at a young age. It was something that just stuck with me. Even today, um, my, my home's only 1,200 square feet, man. It's a, it's a, it's a small little place, but I, I love it because I don't need anything else, okay? That was my first step into the Bitcoin journey, mm. okay? Just not needing a lot. So everything everyone does that's why i said everyone comes from different angles me it started with simple living simple living you don't need a lot um and the expansion of credit as you see now look look what's going on with um housing prices mm -hmm. housing prices are going for what reason who needs these homes like an average price five hundred thousand dollars are you kidding me ludicrous ludicrous it's beyond ludicrous, mate. If you think about it, like, you know, I, I choose London just because it's an easy example, but you've got like a three bedroomed terraced house, same bricks, same plumbing that housed 12 eight year old chimney sweeps back in 1850, now going for three and a half million. Like, it, it, I mean, how does that even, it doesn't make any sense. So you've thrown on uh, a it, few new windows and the kitchens and bathrooms look nice. And, uh, but, but still like the, the actual core of that house is the exact same as it was the day it was built, but nobody questions it. They just yeah. think, Oh, it's in a good area. And, uh, you know, it's in a good catchment area for the local school. And that's the best school that you want to send your kids to just completely blind to the effects of the amount of ridiculous money print to go burr that we were talking about your favorite meme. Yeah. And it's not going to stop. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's the problem. But here's the thing. And I always joke about this. When everyone, it, it, in a couple of years, when Bitcoin's at a million dollars, the first person that tells me I got lucky gets punched right in the <laughs> fucking face. <laughs> because it's not luck when you read things like Walden when you're 10 nope. and it, it plants a seed inside of you. It's not luck when through college you start seeing what's going on. You take responsibility for your life and you start building your life on fiat currency. Yes, as it were, but you build a life. And then when you decide to take a chance, when you hear about this crazy thing called Bitcoin and you're going to don't, don't let anyone, if anyone's listening here, don't let anyone tell you it's luck because you were, you were born for this. You were built for this. If you're this far along, you understand because you are smart and don't let anyone ever punish people that are smart. Mate, it's so true. The whole lucky thing is just such a fiat mindset. You know, people say to me, oh, you're so lucky you got to travel around the world with your wife and four kids at the age of 37. I'm like, I quit my fucking job to do that. There was no <laughs> luck involved in yeah. me. There were lots of sleepless nights of me coming to that decision with my wife, Claire, and talking it through and trying to plan for the future, a future we had no idea would, you know, behold, because you just, how can you plan for that? You're going to take the kids out of school and travel to world, travel around the world with them? Like, no, that's, you can't plan for that. It, what's going to happen is going to happen. You better be ready to think on your feet. There's no luck, but because people are afraid to make those decisions and take that personal responsibility, like you were saying earlier, they've got to find fault in it. And the fault is you're lucky. You're just lucky. Yes. Stacking sats is not lucky. It, the, the hoops you have to jump through or had to jump through, even when you were buying, it wouldn't, there would not have been a DCA app for you to go and just like download and, you know, sign up within two minutes and with the, get a 10 free bucks, like at Swan, like no way in the world that was around. Yeah. Like you had to work for it and the, the first yeah. time you buy it and the first time you transfer it to your hardware wallet, all of this shit is so nerve wracking. No luck. Yeah. Yeah. About, I, I shit my pants the first time I sent, I sent Bitcoin <laughs> into, I don't know. I, I thought it went out in outer space yeah. <laughs> before it would hit into the wallet. I had no clue. I saw it went to zero and I had no clue where it went. But no, you're absolutely right when it comes to the fear. And, and this is a state of, like, can we call it fear porn? It's like fear porn. People love they it. put out there. Yep. That, and that's why, that's like, you know, an underrated movie. I, and I know underrated to the masses. I know, you know, The Truman Show. Right. The Truman Show mm -hmm. absolutely encapsulates this entire idea. This guy under the the panopticon, the panopticon that the entire life to break through, to finally get it. I man, that, there's a meme right there, man. I've even thought about it. But man, that's a Bitcoin meme. Is the Truman Show finding the door in the dome? The guy, ah, finding the Bitcoin yeah. in this world. Well, opening that door and just yeah, seeing, like, like seeing the sun Open for the first time, the actual sun, like, and with a big yeah. B sign on it. You know, like, hey, and all the maxis are on the outside. Come on, Truman. And the the come beauty on, is the, the beauty is he found it by sailing, right? He was on a boat. 
<laughs> he just didn't have the private keys to lose yet. But uh, he was on the lifeboat. Which he was, yeah, con- conditioned, conditioned uh, right to be afraid of the water. Uh, I- I'm looking forward to the meme that you're going to you're going to generate from this. I know you're going to be on image oh. Im- image flip or something later or like a meme generator. Uh, no, I don't, uh, yeah. Meme, meme generator is free. By the way, free. Is that what you use? <laughs> that's what, like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Listen to that. Yeah. I don't even pay. Listen to that. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby just told you the barrier to entry to start contributing. And you may contribute a verse. As he said earlier, you may contribute a meme for free. Go do it. What's what's stopping people. Um, that's a good question. And, and I'll tell you what, there are certain memes I do that don't come from a meme generator. So there, there, there's two things I come up with. I either see a photo, sometimes you'll just see a photo, and then the idea hits you. This is a meme. Sometimes you get struck with a meme idea, and then you go in search of the photo. Those are the, those are the two ways I do it. Um, no, it's, that, that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, so yeah, when I start, I'm bored sometimes. I'll just go through the meme generator. I just start looking through all the images they have and something will strike me. But no, uh, or I read an article. If I read a good article or I, or I see something that's happening um, in the world, I had this idea that I got to get out. And then I just start searching um how can it best express this in the best way better and, and well the funniest way i should say mm. <laughs> like like i mentioned yeah the funny memes well funny is subjective as you say <laughs> <laughs> so what took you onto twitter spaces because you seem to be like uh constantly there Whenever I'm, uh, I, I've, yeah. I've not ventured down that path. I've been a fly on a wall at a, on a few of them. Uh, I showed up on one time that, um, and we got to chat very, very quickly. Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I just haven't. I didn't kind of um, connect with Clubhouse too much either. I've hosted a few things, and uh, I'm helping out uh, with uh, more homeschooly stuff on Clubhouse, where we're having weekly conversations to help people understand alternative education choices, but. You seem to have found a stride. Yeah. Uh, Toxic Happy Hour, you were doing great, great work, you and Anders, and I can't wait for that to get reignited. But you definitely seem to have found a little bit of a stride with, with Twitter Spaces as well. So I'd like to pick your brain about that thought process and the kind of conversations you've been having and you know how, how it's affecting your thinking and uh, connecting with the community. Yeah, I mean... A fantastic question, man. Um, so I think the, the beautiful and brilliant part about Twitter spaces, um, one, not that it's, it, I basically called it the poor man's clubhouse. <laughs> clubhouse was this elitist fucking place, apparently. You had to have Apple to even go in That's there. Right. So I, I, never, I never even knew it. I never went into um, Clubhouse. So at Jack and I, Jack Dorsey from Twitter and I, we have this crazy relationship where I love him and hate him at the same fucking time. Right. Um, the, the guy that loves Bitcoin, but also quashes um, individual um, views. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. 
so but what they did brilliantly at Twitter is they open they started this thing called Spaces. Um, or guess what? You just jump in. Um, over a certain number of followers, you can um, yeah you start your own group up to twelve, I believe, listeners, and you can talk about anything. You just hey, I want to start a group. You put a title in there. Sometimes I, just, I would do it as toxic happy hour, whatever thought of the day was. And people jump in and they can re request to speak or not, or just listen. Um, so democratic, man, so democratic. And what was so interesting to me was the way information could go out. So people that had a a certain standing within Bitcoin, as far as knowledge and all that, look, you get, you get some credibility, you get invited to speak, right? So what's interesting was the noobs that would come in and, and it dovetails nicely, it dovetails nicely into anyone that started just like, we'll say in March and April, Okay, even at, even at $60,000 Bitcoin, you at least understand people that have been here for years. You get to hear, you know, your Jeff Booth, your Greg Foss, you get to hear these guys sometimes on stage and actually get up on stage and ask them a question. Whereas a couple of years ago, guess what? <laughs> what question? Read, read the Bitcoin standard, dumbass. Mm -hmm. That's what you get. So what I thought was brilliant about it was the interaction between the plebs, as I call them, or the plebs, as others. <laughs> you you and, and impressed and them stand alone on that one, I think. Yes, I know. I know we do. I know we do. Um, but what I loved was the interaction that was at play there. Um, you can jump in, you can jump out, especially, look, time is valuable. Mm -hmm. When you have guys that are, have been in Bitcoin for whatever number of years, and they're doing... Like we have to set up this podcast time at the, listen, you send an invite. I can do, like I do for you, man. You can, you jump in. If you're there for 10 minutes, jump in. You got something to say, say it. Then boom, you jump out and get back on your life. But these, these are just long rolling, man. You can just let them go. There's some I've been in 10 years. Now they took, they got feedback from us. Like, well, why the fuck can't I have a co-host? Because at the time, Oh yeah, I guess late at night I just shut I shut it down. A code, it's a, it's a twenty four seven, um, just Bitcoin show of the cream rises to the the top. Honestly, the best speakers will always come in. The ones that I wouldn't say get voted on stage, but people recognize quickly. They really don't have anything that they're adding, and then you're out. So. To me, what I love about spaces was just the reach you could get, the reach that is out there, and the voluntary reach is freedom. You come in if you want or you don't. Man, that's awesome. I need to, I need to start checking that out a little bit more, I suppose. I need to uh, carve out a little time in a day when uh, I could just jump in on some of these things and, and take a listen. Or do, or do your own, man. The fu the fucking princey hour. <laughs> Call it whatever you want. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, true. 
true. Well, I, I never even, I, I'd does, never does, thought about doing that. What? Which is stupid, right? Because I've got the pod. It. So like, you know, I, I'm happy to talk about Bitcoin with any anyone of any standing and, you know, any pleb at any time. Uh, so spaces should make sense. Uh, I don't know. It, it should make the most sense to you. You're right. It honestly, th this should be like a weekly show for you. Hell, set it up at a weekly time and just set up one guest if you want. And you and here's a great, well, listen, let me, I'll, I'll forewarn you. Mm -hmm. My job is basically telling people, hey, turn, I, I turned off people's microphones right. and, and I accept people as guests and I kick people off when they haven't said something. So that's your job. Is a, the one thing I've learned most from listening to you and, and others is shut the fuck up as a when you're a host shut the fuck up that's the the best lesson i've ever learned so this is what i do so i'm there i'll interject but usually i'm just turning people off like nope you're done <laughs> okay who all right come on up yeah you're just directing traffic your show you're directing traffic man and your show is perfect for this format this is what i try to explain to anders man mm -hmm. i was trying to explain this to him here, that's the brilliant part of it all. Anders, Anders is a talker. You, you, you can't stop Anders. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, yeah, yeah. His cord is constantly he, stuck out. Like, you know, he's, he's got to go. Yeah. I love him. He, he talks until he forgets what he's talking about. <laughs> I love him too, man. Do you remember that? <laughs> that's true. Do you remember that first toxic happy hour we did? That, that was the best. Yeah. You, you just, you just had to keep interrupting him and like yeah, yeah right like just just stop just yeah. stop it was so funny what those early episodes uh watching those and the interaction you you two guys had was was so funny but he learned and he he reined it in and it was uh it was it was great to see over time and, and this is what's quite interesting to me with the spaces mm -hmm. you talk about something that absolutely destroys an old way of thinking. And this is what you're finding. Because what it used to be, and I, I'm trying to explain this to Andrew, is me and Andrew's talking, or you having a, a video, and then people join your chat to listen to the two of you. Well, yes, they can see you, that, that's an advantage, okay? But what's fascinating with faces is, whether you see each other or not, you have your own little avatar. But the brilliant part is, you jump in and now, and the best part of, of toxic happy hour to me was always the fact we would, we would include the get the, the, the people in the chat, mm -hmm. man, we would try to, you talk, say, Hey, so-and-so's in this space. Oh, Hey, check this out. So what's fascinating to me was spaces, man. It, it basically brings that all together. Doesn't it? Because you can be sitting there and having a conversation with speakers on stage and people jump up, jump down, it, it changed the game. So now it, it looks sort of ridiculous. Some of the shit we do on, on YouTube. Well, on toxic happy hour, who did you have, um, bomb the show? I think Preston came on out of nowhere. Like was, wasn't he sitting in the chat and he came yeah. on right with uh, Pierre Rocher. Um, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. So who, oh, if, if, who, who yeah. have you had come in on, on spaces? Have you had any like, uh, random guys that you you've really respected come on, drop by and say hi oh yeah greg, greg foss especially nice me and greg were actually yeah I, he was down in miami so greg foss is such a good dude man mm -hmm. such a 
a great man. And uh, yeah, there's times I'll send one out to him and he'll jump into the space. Even if he only has 10 minutes, he'll jump in there. Right. Hey, puppy! You know, his voice. <laughs> that raspy little voice he has, I love. Uh, yeah, so yeah, if you they, you can jump in and jump out. It's a, it's a brilliant space, honestly. Yeah, all right, man. I'm going to start looking at it more. Before we sign off, mate, <clears throat> I want to ask you a few more questions about memes. What was sure. your first meme you threw out there? Do you remember it? Yeah. Um, Bitcoin meme, I should, I should clarify. Oh, I think there was one. I'm trying to think of the actual photo, but it said, get ready. Oh, it was from, um, oh, got it. Game of Thrones mm -hmm. was seen from there. And, it, and I said, get ready. The memes are coming. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first meme I ever did, man. And you weren't lying. Get ready. The memes are No, get ready. The memes are coming. And what, that was the first one I sent. What's the favorite meme you've put out there? And, you know, I don't know how you judge or rank them by uh, whether you get likes or retweets or just how you felt creating it. Um, you know, what, what was the inspiration behind it? What, what was the favorite one you put out there? Because uh, a lot of the times you'll find like, uh, I don't do so many memes, but, you know, I'll, I'll put out text. And the stuff that you're just is consciously in your mind and you just throw out, they get, it gets like... God knows how many stuff that you've thought about and you're trying to craft gets like donuts and tumbleweeds. So what, what's been your experience? What's your favorite one? This is a scientific fact. The more time, thought and pleasure you put into a meme, the worse it will do. <laughs> yes. Scientific fact, dude. The the one, the dick joke, as it were, the <laughs> dick joke, boom, forever, <laughs> forever, Laura, forever. No, so, yeah, there have been so many, man, that some of the video ones I loved, um, <laughs> I can send you one. One of my favorites I did was, um, I, forget what, I forget the movie name, but it's one where, where Hitler is having a speech with his generals. Right. And Down, I had done... Downfall. I had done yeah, downfall. So I had done an overview of him as Peter Schiff. I love it. Talking about, yeah. So that was one of my favorites to do as far as if you've ever bought Bitcoin, please leave the room. Yes. Everyone leaves the room. And and the pointing on the map by the generals, um, you know, the stock to flow is going here. <laughs> That's one of my favorites that I ever did. Um, were you just pissing yourself when you were some, when you were writing all that out? Like, uh, yeah. Oh god. <laughs> you, you know, it's yeah. It, this is the joyous part of it all, man. Because you you know you're drinking a beer, you're you're putting this together, and I'm at a point where I'm doing this shit on my phone, so I'm trying to collect the the minutes and second part, like five minutes point whatever seconds. I'm trying to figure out the timing of all the, <laughs> to, to all limp, the subtitles. To lip sync the, the subtitles. To li right, yes. Yeah, right. it, it's a labor of love, man. It is a labor of love. And I'm, so I'm sitting there, I'm trying to figure this shit out. Like, fuck, okay, point to here. <laughs> and I'm writing shit down. I'm drinking beer. I'm watching, I'm watching Twitter. I'm trying to keep up. But those things, dude, that's my joy in life. 
that's my my total joy is knowing no one has ever created this yeah. before people people are going to laugh at this i know this and that and it's the the anticipation the anticipation of knowing the comments when you hit send the likes when, yeah. when you hit send you know you know it's coming i love you know that one that's that's my favorite one that that you've put out there um what what about your favorite still one just just the picture and the caption uh, so one so one of my favorites uh, is not necessarily a still one but the templates the templates are amazing mm -hmm. okay and here's what i mean um and I, I could do one tomorrow next day and all this but like um the american chopper mm. the dad and the son going back and forth the dad's angry son responds dad's still angry son responds dad's angry. son walks off. Let, let's let's that let's one, like this is the um the tv show of the guys that build motorbikes right you got paul and paulie yes, or something yes, like yeah you got the, the the dad with the big handlebar mustache and Paul. Yes. Right, yeah. Right. Yes. I love those. So that what? So that one to me. It, it that's right in my that's right in my wheelhouse. Of, <laughs> I understand those arguments and I can jump in here. And by the way, I had done one about um, this is back when Elon Musk uh, had come in to talk about Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. And I had the old man talking about he's a new uh, Doge developer because this is when Elon said, uh, yeah, you can, <laughs> I've been in talks with the developers. Okay. So on the one hand, I said, <laughs> the old guys, I'm the lead Doge developer for Elon Musk. And the kid's like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no development. <laughs> he goes, yeah, that's why I'm the boss. So what was cool about it, I put this out. Like you, you, like you were talking, man, you were saying, I, I could spend two hours putting a video one together mm -hmm. and it's getting like five likes. I put that one together in one minute, one minute over 10,000. No way. Yep. Honest to God. One minute. I put that together in one minute and that's the best meme I ever did. I'm sorry, not the best meme most popular meme. right because like you say you know someone that you meet there's so many of you cry about that you like this is the most brilliant thing i've ever thought <laughs> two likes later <laughs> <laughs> two likes later you get, you get fucking nothing funny is subjective yeah but no that one hey look man that shit just gets you know once it starts getting retweeted it was funny I mean, I thought that I remember it. I retweeted it. I liked it. I probably commented it on it on it as well. I I, I really did enjoy it. Um, what about your the college kid? You use that one, of, uh, or you the, the, there's a you know like can, oh right. it, it, the, I don't know what the original thing ever said like, but it's like convince me I'm wrong, and you you write your own thing on, um, and he's sitting there with a cup of coffee and uh yeah yeah so that one I, yeah i had to pin that tweet just to um you know you know some of the group i run with they like to steal that shit and run off with it um <laughs> because that really goes down that really goes back to uh stealing stealing a meme which i would never see uh, you can steal a template but never steal a meme 
and and people were stealing this as their own. And it was basically, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, uh, I, I think I wrote on that template, Bitcoin has been in a bear market since 2009. I'm sorry, a bull market since 2009. Changed my mind. That's right. Changed my mind. Yeah. Changed my mind. Bitcoin's in a bull market. Because just to get people, the meme is around. Take out your perspective. Yeah. Back it out and then look at it again. And all you're going to see is this line is going straight up. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I put it out there. And what's funny is, and I, not that I really care much, the one, there are people that'll take it and they'll put it into different forums or they'll, they'll screen grab it and then claim it as their own, which is fine. Personally, I think there should be a professional meme standard for people. <laughs> Oh no! You you're gonna start the the memers roundtable or something like that, like the the mining council. No, no, man. The hey, memeing council. There you hey, go. Hey, I put. That's what you should do. The memeing. Yeah, no. you, you should and you you nope. should invite Sailor to come and uh, like chair it for you, just to uh, see you know what, what's the funniest meme here. Oh no, my goal is to wait for Sailor to ask me to be on my show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's your favorite other memer? Son of a bitch. What? You're going to put me in that position? You know it. Oh, God. Uh, you know what? There's so many that are brilliant for so many different reasons. Um, some for ideas, some for the medium they choose, because some are like video, some are good at uh, the words. Um, talk. I'll go with, uh, listen. Here's an underrated one, Plan Marcus. I fucking love Plan Marcus. He comes up with some good stuff. Um, I will say also Yellow, because fuck you, Greg, you dropped him off in Miami of Ohio, you son of a bitch. Um, yeah, I'll throw a shout out to them. Lara Hoddle, let's go, man. Uh, Sweet Toshi. I'm just going to list everyone. That they always have brilliant stuff, man. God, oh, who's the other one? There's, like, there's a few more. God, I feel bad. I'm, I'm going to miss out on so many. Man. The meme tards. There's so many. The, they're the council, right? Uh, you know, it, is it? Well, the meme, yeah. Yeah, they didn't include me, did they? Uh-oh. The meme tards. The meme. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big Sean looking at you, Big Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great bunch of, uh, It's it's so fun on there. And, um, you know, the, the, the whole toxic maximalist thing is, is such a fiat meme that, uh, gets squared at us. But you see what's brilliant here, Daniel, is this. The maximalist tag was meant as an insult. Yep. And the greatest thing a meme can do is you take that, you own it and you turn it into something that is powerful. And that's what we have done. That's what we have done here. We have taken what was meant as an insult and turned it into something I think is brilliant and beautiful, really. And and binds us together and makes us stronger and you know more committed to uh, to, to educating as many people as we can about about Bitcoin. All right, man. Well, I've got to end on the orange pill question, don't I? 
I don't remember oh. who you who yeah. you wanted to orange pill back in the day when you were on the Once Bitten podcast. So let's do it again. If you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? I wasn't expecting this question again. So yeah, I'll rethink it. Um, just an individual in a way, if I could find just an individual out there, um, because I don't want this to be an obvious, um, oh, the president of the United States, um, perhaps, uh, I think I said last time, Vladimir Putin, I think I said Putin last time because I thought if, if he starts with Russia, the Americans would jump in. Hey, man, I want, I want this orange pill to go out to your blue collar worker, man. Just the average guy on the street in America, whoever he may, Joe Blow, we'll call him. Mm -hmm. Joe Blow, orange pill him. Because once he gets it, his friends will get it. And we'll start from the bottom up on this. It's it's so weird that this uh, the, 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 the last more than handful of shows I've done, maybe last 20 or so, we get to this point and you know, I asked that last question and I started this pod back in Jan, end of Jan 20 and all throughout 2020, the, the narratives around the answers to this question were like, um, I hate the word influencers, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, or, or celebrities or sports stars or presidents or prime ministers or whatever. Look what's happened since then. We've had the CEO of Twitter. We've had the CEO of MicroStrategy. No, I mean, no one knew who Sailor was, to be honest. Like, MicroStrategy were just a blip on the landscape. But, you know, what he's done since he's come in. So we've got the corporate world on board. We've had president um, from uh, El Salvador taking a country onto uh, a Bitcoin standard. We've had numerous sports stars come out whether they're NFL or IndyCar or soccer stars or, or whatever else, UFC, you know, boxers, it's happening. And we've come full circle now where I ask this question and I get answers like this. It's back to the plebs. Like it, it, it's like a cycle itself. It's, it's a weird cycle. It's like we've ticked, 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 ticked all these boxes. Buster Rhymes the other day, like, so now we've got, um, you know, pop music and uh, rap music and whatever else yeah. you want to call it. Sorry, Buster, if I'm doing you a disservice, but, uh, you know, it's it, it, another tick. Um, central bankers, who cares? Like, who cares? Like, don't want them to get it. No, nah, no one does. No, the, you know, that they've been controlling the game board for far too long it's time we flipped it and we know how to flip it it's only a matter of time it's inevitable and to get answers like this now takes us kind of full circle back to the pleb and it's just really great there's um something you mentioned there about flipping the board this goes back to especially with and, and i implore you uh please uh re-listen or listen to Joe Rogan mm. and Jordan Peterson because it comes down to flipping the board in the sense of the young kids that were shooters at Columbine. Mm -hmm. They wanted to flip the board. They couldn't, they, 
didn't see a future for themselves. So they flipped the board, but they flipped the board in an obviously unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. They flipped the board by killing other people and leaving the world a little bit worse than it was when they arrived. So listen to that and understand. Yeah, if you want to flip the board, that's fine. But flip the board in a way that you're going to leave the world a little bit better. Bitcoin is the hope for you. If you're thinking about flipping the board, check out Bitcoin first, mm -hmm. because I guarantee it will it will help you along the way. Hundred percent, and a great place to leave it, mate. That's that's really nice, and I'm going to go and download that. Big thanks on behalf of uh, the Twenty One Ism guys for you stepping up and being the memer of of this block. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time, mate. You got it, brother. Take care, man. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and thank you Guy again for giving up the time to come on and be the featured memer for 21ism in, in this month's September, in this month's block. Apologies again listeners and Guy obviously for the beginning, the first 20 minutes I have no idea why my microphone was not connected. I have now given up on that and changed gear. Thank you at Hodler Than Thou for pointing me in the right direction. I have some new equipment which I'm hoping will make all the difference when it comes to sound quality and your experience listening to these interviews. It's my job just to try and represent the guests as best as I can and it's very annoying when these kind of glitches happen. So apologies, sincerest apologies and thank you for all of those that stuck with it and listened to that first 20 minutes because it's all gold with Guy. It's all Bitcoin with Guy. It's all sats with Guy. This story of his of falling down a rabbit hole, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Watch Toxic Happy Hour. Go back and watch some old episodes, especially the one where he falls asleep drunk talking with Robert Breedlove. But we won't, we won't dwell on that, listeners. Make sure you check out the show sponsors. Honestly, go and look at shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten because you will get a 5% discount on anything in your cart and they've got some cool stuff on there. Obviously the Bitbox 02 hardware wallet, Bitcoin only, but they've got the steel plates that comes with the puncher, that comes with the, um, the, the tamper proof bags and it comes with your backup cards. They've got a bunch of stuff. So go check it out, Swiss company. Really cool, very well made stuff. And then CoinFloor, and then Swan Bitcoin, and then Relay, all forward slash bitten to stack sats with. Stay focused, guys. We're about to hit an almighty bull run to close the year. Catch you on the next show.